I know this whole thing might make you a little sore, but that sting you're feeling? It means that the Thinking Hardly podcast is working. Hey, hello. Hey. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hello? hear you. Okay, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear yourself? No. So that's oh. good. <laughs> well, How are you doing? Up. I'm doing good. Um, so I, I, yeah, had, so where were we? Yeah, well, I had plans. We're going to start over. I had plans to use this fancy schmancy, you know, pay online recording platform instead of this free recording platform. And uh, it didn't work. Uh, so so <laughs> we're, we're using the free one, which is apparently better. So Sweet, go. at least for us. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. For us. Okay. So you were saying, uh, it, you're taking a few days off this week. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I think that covered all of the non-actual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your real life? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Danica is doing well, you said, and you're going to, uh, hopefully spend a little time with her today in the next few days. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, that's good. Where are you guys going to? You said you're going to lunch, maybe going to lunch today. Where are you going to lunch? I would guess Chipotle. Oh. Uh, that is basically her favorite place to go. Oh, man. I knew I liked her. <laughs> you know, we don't get, like, you can't even get guacamole here. You can you can sometimes find an avocado and try to make your own guacamole, but they don't have, there's no cilantro and, you know, mm-hmm. you have to make your own tortillas. Which is fine, but Chipotle sounds so good right now. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm. What does she get there? Uh, I think steak bowl. And what do you get? Quesadilla. I usually don't get anything because it always is at a weird time where I'm not hungry. But Oh, man, uh, you've got so much discipline. Well, I don't know. I just more – I just – it's hard. Like, I don't know. I just feel like gross when I, like if I'm not hungry and I try to eat now, I don't know. I don't think it's like after a certain point, but um, you had, you, you had a theory you've lost weight during the lockdown the, or whatever, whatever this is called the work from home. I think so. Well, we might be about even at, at this point. <clears throat> yeah. So what to explain your theory about why that would be. Well, it's it's just that without the structure of how things are like at work you have a lunch at a certain time, you go take your lunch and it's like, well, I should probably eat now cuz I'm not going to get a chance for a while. So you're presented with opportunities to do it without really um any sort of it's it's not based on your own hunger it's based on what's convenient and what will stop me from being hungry later right so you eat because you have a certain time a lunch period a lunch break you would feel like you should just go ahead and eat even though you're not hungry in case you were to get hungry later and then have to wait until dinner time essentially yeah fascinating so now, so now you're so now at home working from home. You think that you, it's more likely that you eat only when you're hungry. More likely, yeah, because you can move your lunch around. Yeah, or you know, I mean, I don't have a drive to worry about in the middle of things. Like it's just all very fluid because of that, which. Mm-hmm. I think has its drawbacks too, but on that, in that way, you know, I think I probably eat a little bit less than I did before or maybe on average. I don't know. I think lately I've been eating a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You'd been kind of watching how much you were eating. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get back into that, but you know. <clears throat> well, I was just interested in the, uh, the theory is interesting that people would, it makes a lot of sense. You have a, 
certain period in which you could do something and you're not really ready to do it, but you know that you're likely to want to do it later and you may not be able to do it. So better get it out of the way. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of the same thing as like the sort of like fear of losing something, but it's like losing an opportunity. Yeah. 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 You, so yeah. Right. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense. It still seems like the logical thing to do. Right. Right. So this is, so the, the, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'll, I mean, I'll try to ask some of my behavioral scientist friends if anybody's looked at that. Like does loss aversion cause people to eat when they're not hungry? because they only have a certain time to do it. Otherwise, they lose the chance. And I wonder, too, if it's because, I don't know, it's interesting because it's like, it's easy to slot into doing that because it's like you don't really have a choice, it seems like, mm-hmm. in that situation, which is like a comfortable kind of, you know what I mean? You don't have to think about it. It's already set for you. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it's a lunch break. It's not a it's not a walk around the building break. Yeah, exactly. Or go for a run break. No. Okay. Are you ready for the are you ready for this week's news? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, it's the Sunday smorgasbord. I'm gonna I'm gonna just, like say some things and you can comment if you want. You don't have to, you can pass. Okay. Governor of Michigan, Whitmer. Apparently there was a a, a plot to kidnap her and to put her on trial, and they've arrested thirteen people. I, yeah, I didn't actually see what they wanted to try her for, which is what I'm most interested in. I just want to see what these guys think and what they want. Because hmm. that's always interesting to me. I think... Do you think they're nuts? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about them. I, I assume that there's they're probably... It's tough to say now because it's like... There's definitely a lot of people that are like kind of hysterical because of the media climate and just everything. But also like our politics are kind of driving things in a more radical direction now because they don't have any other way to go. So I think some of that stuff is like there's probably you know you could probably like reason with a lot of people that would do some stuff like this because we're just at such a point at this point where it's like well you i mean we always talk about how possibility has been kind of taken out of politics in so many ways and that means that this kind of stuff happens more like some of its riots some of it is you know like posting on facebook i mean a lot of it's that right and but some of it is this kind of stuff domestic terrorism and, and just I don't even know like how you would describe some of this stuff. Domestic terrorism seems like it's kind of giving into the framing of, of it. Yeah. You, so there's, in some ways there's this pressure that's built up and there's no, there's no release valve through the normal political channel. Yeah. Well, I think it's just that increasingly, like the media is part of this because people don't trust the actual government groups anymore. Mm. And so there's like this, I think there's kind of a loop where like the thing that you want is a trustworthy source, you know, like that's what everyone wants from the government, from media. And it's like, you you kind of fall down this hole of like, everyone that you trusted, you kind of then have a reason to not trust them anymore. And then like, I don't know if you do that for long enough, I think it ends up with this kind of desperation stuff. That's so interesting. I I sent you a link and there's a piece that David Brooks wrote in the Atlantic about really about the corrosion of trust. And there's a theory that, we go through these sort of moral convulsions every 60 years. So the last one was in the 60s around civil rights. And then there was one, I guess, around the turn of the century. And so we're sort of due for that. But the, I think his, his basic argument is that we've corroded uh, trust. 
not just in institutions, but in each other, and that it's going to be hard to get anywhere without without regaining without regaining some amount of trust. But what you're saying makes sense that if you don't trust, you know, you can't really trust anything. It's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, disorienting at, at the least, right? You might, you might not even trust like there's, that there's truth, right? I mean, that's kind of the ultimate mistrust. I don't know if it's the, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but. Yeah, it's tough because I don't know. It's this type of thing too is like, you know, it might not be at the bottom of that hole that I'm talking about because I think the, something that kind of goes along with that is that you see everyone basically, like both Democrats and Republicans, the actual party apparatus, are using escalation, you know, for their own goals as well. So, like, you know, the fact that Republicans are talking, have been talking about, and long before Trump, have been talking about how, you know, these people are breaking the law, the things that they're doing are unconstitutional, they don't respect the founding fathers, that kind of stuff is at the base of a lot of this sort of militia like mentality. I don't, like I say, I don't really know if these guys were like in a militia or, or what it was. That's just the flavor I got. But, um, you know, you don't have to be completely like washed out of politics, you know, entirely to do stuff like this. Sadly, I think that's true. Where I mean, I think that's where we are right now. Okay, let's lighten it up. Oh wait, let me ask you a question. Do you think Trump is complicit in this? Do you think I mean, they were? In a way, do you think they were encouraged or just not discouraged? In a way, but that's the type of thing where it's like it's a political thing. Like Trump is part of a political machine. He's not. It's it's hard to say that he's the cause of any of this stuff. It's hard to say he's definitely serving that. Mm-hmm. But but you know, I mean, it's. It's tough because he wouldn't be able to serve that stuff if Democrats were doing their jobs either. Yeah. It's a weird world. That's bullet point one. That's the first event. I mean, these aren't in any order. They're, well, they're in an order. It's just not an order that has any rationale to it. It's just what I typed into my phone. Okay, here's the second one. Trump planned to walk out of the hospital. This is after being hospitalized for COVID-19 infection. Planned to walk out of the hospital, pretending to be weak. And then he wanted to rip off his dress shirt to reveal a Superman t-shirt underneath. Yeah, I did. I, I did read that. Um it's funny because over the weekend last, you know, last week when all this stuff was happening, um, I remember a lot of people that were like right wing on Twitter posting gifts of Trump, like Willy Wonka from the, or, uh, from the beginning of, of, uh, Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, mm-hmm. um, or Charlie and the chocolate factory, yep. Willy Wonka walking out with the cane and then he does the roll and they put that like Trump's face on it. That would have been much better. But if, if he'd been able to pull it off. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. The Trump, sh- the Superman shirt thing is doable. Same exact idea. And I just love that, like, he and his supporters are on the same page with this kind of stuff. This does. Does that disturb you at all? Or do you, is this like. It's funny to me. I mean, that's I think I, some people were saying, oh, man, he's really lost it. Like, you know, he's like this is not even nearly as good as like his 2016 stuff. And it's true. Like. It's it's certainly no bringing the Clinton accusers to the debate, um, but it's I think it's classic Trump. I mean, that's it made me really happy to read that because it's just like I was kind of I don't know. You, over the past few years, you always were like, hey, does, "Is Trump still funny?" And he's definitely still he's got a spark of it. He, he maybe lost a a step or something, but he's still entertaining. Yeah, he's not the same guy, that's for sure. But he's still got something in the tank, you know okay. what I mean? You got, you got to... <laughs> so let me ask you. So so I, like Gina and I are almost and sometimes absolutely apoplectic about what's going on. I mean, we get really worked up. Clearly past anything that would be, you know, of 
a, a benefit, you know, functionally, right? We're not going to make a difference by getting us upset, but we're able, what we do get this upset. And I think that's part of Trump's genius. But you, you seem to be at some level almost like indifferent about whether Trump wins or loses the election. I wouldn't say indifferent, but I mean, it's like there's so many like paths that we've gone down and have been closed off by the people that are now struggling in this. And it's like, what do you want me to do? Like, you want me to, I don't know. It like after the primary and stuff, it's like, I mean, my job is done. Like you guys pretty much told me what you think. And that you didn't, that your, that your view didn't, didn't matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, his campaign strategy reflects that. Yeah. And so it's, I, it's not that I don't care, but like my part in this is done. Do you think, do you think that, uh, and you, your part, your part in it was supporting Bernie and then, and then it just all kind of like folded really quickly and almost bizarrely quickly like the powers that had the powers that be had just said okay this is enough we need to we need to move on uh do you think just turning the page now whether whether trump wins or biden wins the things that you're going to do or the things that you m- might do are really not any different in terms of trying to press forward on you know key changes you know what I'm saying? So if you're if you, if it's around climate or it's around racial justice or it's around healthcare or education or um, uh, wages or workers' rights or housing, those things from a distance and not a really big distance, they 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 sort of look the same regardless of which party is in the White House. Is that is that a fair take? Sort of. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely like enough big things that you can say, well, there's differences, but it's more just understanding that like, if you just think like that, that is basically like, it's part of a larger game. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't allow yourself to be completely consumed by electoral politics because this is how they get us every time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so, it's yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? It's almost like it's it's all backwards. It's like we get all worked up in the run up to the election, in the primary, and in the run up to the election, and then like there's an election, and then there's some you know a couple of months of grieving or celebrating or whatever, and then it's just this tribalism, this very simplistic, it seems like kind of tribalism rather than applying pressure to get real change through. I mean, it, in other words, if we would be a little less wound up around the elections and a little more wound up around, you know, politics, like, you know, policy. And, I don't know. Stuff, maybe we'd be I, better off. I think that's somewhat right, but I think that misses the point in a few ways. Yeah, of course um, it does. But no, I, think because, I think it it's because, I think it's because, I think it's because like, it's been really hard to see the entirety of, well, not even the entirety, because it's not like I see it all, but it's been, I would say it's probably harder to see the way that that whole game works, like pre 9-11, pre 2008, pre internet, like all that kind of stuff. It seems like that primes you in a way where you just think about it in this way, where like, of course, because I mean, how many elections have you seen? And it's all been like, you know, media we didn't we're going into the election we're going to talk about what people want you know we're going to have all these little like i don't know just the way that that politics has been covered in like the last 50 to 60 years let's say yeah is not it it's not it doesn't fit the moment anymore because like you know you look at like how the parties have changed over those 60 years it's been a big change for both of them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think, well, let me get back to what you said. Uh, I think 
we obviously do need to think more about politics, but I think also a lot of people that are like my, my age, I mean, even people that are older than me, I think a lot of them are thinking about policy. And when people talk about tribalism, there, I think there is an element of that with people who are like party loyalists mm-hmm. who refuse to look any harder at it. But I think there's a lot of people who have either checked out or are being harangued from, you know, one of the parties or both where they are thinking about it logically. Like, I don't know. It's hard to, to, I'm kind of losing my train of thought a little bit, but (laughs) they, you have to focus on policy, but I think tribalism is often used to describe people who are, who have an ideological stance. I got it. And, neither party really caters to them but it's like called tribalism because they you know eventually are like harassed into supporting one party or another or it becomes a cultural thing and i think it's like there's elements of truth to it but i think the tribalist stuff is kind of a smokescreen you think that's overdone i think it's inadequate to describe what's really happening that's the right word. That's the right word. Inadequate. That's probably true. We've only got two parties anyways, right? So you could have, it's kind of weird that, that you could have, you know, all these, all these issues, if you think of them as dimensions, so environment, you know, the environment is one dimension and healthcare is another dimension. I'm not saying they're absolutely, you know, unrelated, but yeah, but you know, I mean, workers' you, rights, all this kind of stuff. You, you, you could have people who have different policy positions on each of those dimensions and then somehow you've got to collapse down to you know one of two parties yeah i think that's really the thing that that screws it all up too is i think parties in one way are kind of designed to neuter any sort of like actual bipartisanship that exists because people talk about bipartisanship but what they're really talking about is more of like a the one party that is like comprises a large part of both parties, you know, where they can like <laughs> agree on things. There's definitely some cross like bipartisanship. I mean, you look at like there's lots of legislation sp- sponsored by like Bernie Sanders and Mike Lee and that that kind of stuff where it doesn't necessarily make sense if you were to look at, at on a party level. But I mean, we've talked about it several times how I think maybe conservatives have like a better the people who would maybe say they're conservative might have a better instinct on a lot of this stuff and better. Like they might want things that are more close to what I want really about certain things. Hmm. What would those things be? Well, I think, I think for a lot of the right that is not represented in terms of, uh, you know, like electoral politics, yeah. I think that the fact that they're populist right now means that there's a lot of the inequality stuff that does get through to some of them. Mm. And, you know, I think there's like definitely, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, we wouldn't be like, Oh, we're all behind the same guy, but like yeah. we could all get behind the same bill. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I think I, I think I understand what you're saying they're kind of crammed into a party that in some ways is inadequate. It doesn't fully describe the things that are animating them or animating their whatever their constituents. Yeah. It's tough because I don't think adding parties really automatically solve either because it's now you just have smaller little splits and more of them. Okay. Here's one. Here's a practical thing. You talked about bipartisanship. Here's, this is on my list. I just looked at it. Okay, so Trump tells Munchen to stop negotiating with Pelosi on a COVID relief package. The markets tank. Then Trump makes a unilateral proposal for a $1.8 trillion package, which both the Democrats and the Republicans reject. Pelosi says it doesn't go far enough. She's got some other concerns. Uh, Mike Lee of Utah, Senator, says agreeing to the plan would complicate holding hearings to confirm Barrett to the Supreme Court and hurt Republicans' chances at the ballot box because the Supreme Court fight would no longer be front and center. 
So they had they have, they they have commonality in not wanting it to happen, but for totally different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see the obvious reason why Democrats wouldn't want it is, you know, like we're so close to the election now that yeah, like, they don't want to win for Trump. Exactly. Even if that means you know pushing everyone else off a month, um, the. Republican side of it, I'm a little less clear on, and I I kind of wonder what the strategy is. Um, because McConnell, I saw McConnell also said like we're rejecting this, um, and like I I really don't know how uh, the the Mike Lee thing about the like the uh, Supreme Court stuff makes absolutely no sense to me. Because it doesn't matter what anyone thinks about it. Like they have the votes. They said they had the votes. So just do it. If you're if you're going to do it, like you could just do it. You mean get the? You mean which one? The, uh, the confirm Barrett. I mean, see, I, I think I I think you're asking the right question. I think that you could you could you could do the package and get it done and be out. I mean, it would it, like it would be out of the news cycle almost instantly. Like that yeah. part, I don't, that part I don't get. I don't. I mean, unless unless they just want to put a fork in it so that Pelosi doesn't get to drag it out. I could I could understand if they thought they were going to make a gesture that it was a good idea, and then Pelosi would you know string them along for a while to keep it kind of in the cycle. Um, but that's betting that Pelosi would be okay with Trump having a victory this close to the election. Like I I. I I, I'm not sure I get it either. It's just a. If, but the weird thing is that we're in a place now where a senator can say that, can say we're really we're just going to like kind of screw the people, because what we really need to do is keep the focus on the Supreme Court nomination to make sure that our election chances aren't degraded any further. Like he yeah. apparently said that like I guess, maybe in Fox on Fox News or something. I mean, he's, it was it was not. It was. This isn't just like somebody reported that somebody heard him say this. It's hmm. weird. That's yeah. That's I. I don't really know what to make of it with uh, the Republicans, I, and I don't really know. And I just you know just to prove your point about the the uh, headline thing, I just pulled up the New York Times, and they're not talking about Trump having COVID at all on the front page. Hmm. Um, which not like I think that's like oh we should be talking about this every day, but. That's a pretty big news cycle. President gets uh, deadly disease, then gets a stem cell treatment, and then he's out of the hospital and, and non-contagious within like six days. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty big story, and it's not on the front page now. What are they talking about? Uh, they're talking about – let's see. The big big story here is the swamp that Trump built, talking about oh, yeah. uh, the, right. you know, the access stuff with Trump, which is like yeah. – that's good. I think there's been a lot of good reporting on that over. That's the, the last that's a, that's a, that's a series of articles coming out of his, in part based on getting data on his tax returns, right? I think that's one of mm, one of a series of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just been so much of that. Like, I don't know how much harder you can make that point to people. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I still like. The, yeah, I still like, like seeing the reporting, but. Yeah, I, I I mean I think I the, I saw that article, uh, and uh, read most of it actually, and uh, yeah, I mean it's just kind of a new way of of doing you know the 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 scam. I mean it's just a new way of a new angle. I guess because Trump's got so many properties and so many ways of getting him money that there's there's you know it's a lot. It's just a different sort of thing. You couldn't have done it with most politicians. They just don't have that many hotels and golf courses and you know businesses that could be where you could curry favor potentially by you know giving them business. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting to me because I think something that's pretty common with Trump is like there's been a scam going on for a long time. Everyone knows how this scam runs and it's got all these layers of like sort of, you know, how yeah. we analyze and like hide all this stuff. And Trump just comes in and just does everything like completely openly. And yeah. it's the same kind of thing, but like he couldn't, you know, he wouldn't pull off all that stuff. This is way easier. Right. So, so like, I think this is just more of the same where it's like, he's, 
you know, that's just what he had. He, he like just lazily was like, no, I'm not going to do that. When they told him to like divest from his businesses completely. And then obviously that opens up the easiest way to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. And not clearly, it's not, it's not even clearly illegal. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it will turn out to be illegal, but it's not obviously illegal going in. Yeah. And, and (laughs) part of the strategy is, capturing courts yeah right exactly or at least capturing enough of them that you can muddy the waters and make it so that you can't really be prosecuted yeah i don't know i think trump has got this i think he just had i'm totally winging it here but i think he's got this sense that you can that the downside can always be managed you know, I think in his real estate dealings, that's true, right? You can declare bankruptcy and maybe you'll have a hard time getting somebody to loan you money in the future, but you can all, I mean, you're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose your car. You're not going to lose, you know, like you can still, so, so why not go, you know, all f- full bore high risk stuff because he can always take the gain and, you know, sort of escape escape the loss. And I wonder whether that attitude that the, there's really, the downside is never really that bad and can always be managed. I wonder if that's what causes him to do things like sort of create a, you know, create, create a problem and then, and then solve it and then think he's going to get credit and probably does get credit for the solution, but not get tagged for the creation of the problem. Right. So he told Munchen to not, not, uh, negotiate anymore with Pelosi. The stock market doesn't like it. And then he turns around and says, I want to give, you know, whatever it is, 1800 bucks to everybody. And, uh, there's no downside, like, like creating the problem, I think is a downside that he felt like he could escape from. I don't know. I, yeah, I think he's just a better negotiator than they are for the most part. And so he's trying to negotiate with them. Like this is a more, like it's more removed from everything else. I don't think he's a great negotiator at all. I mean, I think he, I think he's got a sense for things, but uh, you know, to, to really be a good negotiator, maybe, maybe if the negotiations are pretty simple, but to be a really good negotiator, you've got to figure out what the other person wants that they care about more than you care about. And then figure out what it is that you want that they don't care about as much as you do. And then you trade on that. I mean, I think it requires a certain level of putting yourself in the other person's shoes that seems to me to be completely beyond Trump's. I don't, it's not an intellectual thing. I just don't think he's got the, I don't think he's got the wiring to put himself in somebody else's shoes and to think about what it is that they want. I, maybe I, maybe I drunk the liberal Kool-Aid, but you know, I, I, I just don't see that. There's probably an element of that. I don't know. To me, I think Trump understands leverage extremely well, and that and I so, th- but that's what I mean. I think that's an, just as effective in many cases in negotiation. Okay, fair enough. So, I and if you were to take away all the priors, you know, maybe he would have a better chance of of doing that. If it were just like, okay, we're just trying to sit down and do this, you know, stimulus deal. But we're one month away from the election. Like, obviously, that's not the only thing that people are thinking about and negotiating. Yeah. So I think – and another thing to keep in mind here is that Trump's been on steroids for like a week now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, right. So I don't know how much of that, that plays into it. But, you know, I, I think that was just a, like a pretty impulsive move from him. Um, at least on the way he dealt with it. So I don't really know what to say about that. It seems like just a, a blunder. You know what I mean? Because it's like, but the, again, I mean, if you look at the way that the Republicans reacted to that, if he left them to it, you think they were going to make a deal? I don't think so. I, no, I don't think so either. I think, I think this is, I think the, I think the everyday people who are suffering through no fault of their own, are left uh, hanging in the wind on this until the until the election's over. I don't think anybody wants. I don't think anybody wants the nobody wants to let the other side 
have any kind of chance of saying they 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 did something sadly but that's yeah. my amateur i kind of think that i think that trump kind of forced the republicans to do that now that i think about it more because they didn't want to do it at first to like anyway right mm-hmm. it would have seemed like they were just doing their thing being the strong you know the people holding back the democrats like even even if people that they that supported him wanted stimulus you can play that narrative pretty well if if trump doesn't come out and say actually we really want a deal you know what i mean but if he does that then now like what are the republicans supposed to do they don't i guess the thing is they don't want stimulus no matter what and they certainly don't like trump they don't they're not going to sacrifice that to give trump a win yeah right yeah, that could be. Well, it's possible. Okay. Uh, well, let's, we're, at the, we're at the home stretch here, I'd say. Uh, I mean, we got a lot of bullets here. So the vice presidential debate, that happened. Did you watch it? No, don't care. Me, yeah, me neither, and I agree. Like, I'm not sure what the point of the debates are anymore. Uh, well, either, I could see people saying, well, you know, let's, like, I need to know Kamala Harris because I'm scared Joe Biden's going to die or something like that. But like, yeah, that's, fair enough. I don't I know. Suppose. I, I, I mean, it just I, seems like everyone's so saturated at this point. Like, how do you not know? Yeah. And she was in the primaries. I mean, if you're, if you're really tuned in enough to say, I really, I want to know, I mean, it's a very small number of people, right. Who, who would, mm-hmm. who would not vote for Biden because of their concern about Harris over Trump. It seems like, like, you know, I, I don't know how many truly yeah. un, undecided voters there are. And then you take that small slice and then figure out the slice that's worried about Harris. I, I, I suppose, I mean, she did, I, I, we watched for about 20 minutes and couldn't stand it. Um, I, just I, don't can, know. I cannot stand Harris. I really cannot. Well, I couldn't stand Pence. I couldn't stand either. I mean, I couldn't stand the whole thing. It was just like, um, there was no attempt to talk really about any kind of policy stuff. And you already know basically where people are on all this. I mean, it just seems like, yeah. Anyway, the second, the second presidential debate is canceled, which is again, fine with me. I mean, it would be good to see Trump try to do something other than just yell, but I'm not sure I have it up. I just not sure I can. Yeah. Who cares? It's unless he like, I'm not expecting him to do anything fun at them. So it's like. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to learn anything. And you're, you're, you're trying well, to I figure out. I never expect to learn anything from a, a presidential debate. I mean, yeah. come on. Like Man. even the, the primary debates before, it was like basically just watching them to see how Bernie does. But they were more substantive. I mean, they were by far, by, by a long shot, Right. I mean, it was just as full of people just lying about their records and stuff, though, too. That's true. It, it So it's like it doesn't That's matter true. if it's substantive if no one's going to even talk about anything that happened anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we agree on that. Maybe not for exactly the same reasons, but, you know. So here's one. This is the last couple. These, did, these are sort of in the same zip code. Trump says the only way he can lose an election is if it's rigged. He said that. Biden now says the only way he can lose the election is if there is, and I quote, chicanery. At the <laughs> yes, I saw that. I I really enjoyed the word, use any of comments, that. Sorry, okay, any, word. Yeah, any comments on the word chicanery? No, that's that's the nice Biden stuff that I'm here for. That's like the the equivalent of Trump doing something funny that I like with Biden. Where it's like you could tell his brain just like kind of flew back a couple decades or something and just like pick that word out. Yeah. Chicanery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I thought too. It's like, man, you know, people already think you're old. You don't use a word like chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like if there's some kind of tomfoolery. Oh, well, that would have been better. He should have said that. No, no shenanigans. No, that would have all been better. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> even your even your joke examples aren't as bad. <laughs> here's here's the here's the 
uh, I don't know what this is kind of question. So if Trump, unless we're at 40 minutes, let's call it. Uh, whatever. Come on. I'll say, okay. So if Trump, let's suppose Trump loses the election, clearly loses the election. I mean, you know, there's like all these other scenarios that get gamed out about, you know, popular vote, electoral vote, and, you know, slates put up by the governors of this that are Democrats or that are Republicans or whatever. And then Pelosi becomes, you know, let's leave all that stuff out. Let's say Trump fails. I mean, he just loses, right? He loses on the he loses on election day, and he loses even bigger after that. And it's a it's an electoral landslide, and it's a popular vote, you know, two, two double digit, like just that's a blowout by every reckoning. Mm-hmm. Okay, how, what? How does he? Like, what is his shtick? Like, what? How would he make that? Like, how would he? How would he leave? What would he say? I don't really know. Would he need um, to say something? Yeah, I can't imagine him being the gracious loser and say the people have spoken and all that kind of stuff. But maybe I don't like. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about his psychological. Makeup. No, I don't think he would do that. I'd be pretty surprised if he did something like that. Um, but I think it's because like his brand is also like not doing gracious stuff like that. You know, like that's part of not, I don't think it's just necessarily his personality, but like, I think that's kind of what he's, he sees himself as expected to do. Um, I don't know. How I don't know. Do you, how far do you think he would go? I mean, well, let me back up. One. I think he'd like, take it to the court. No, let's suppose he, it's, he's lost. It's, there's no question about it. You know, the military is not going to help him. The courts aren't going to help him. He's lost. Let's just say he's lost. I'm really asking about his like the psychology. Do you think he has it in him to to accept that he lost, or would he come up with? Here's what I'm getting at: Would he come up with some other thing? Like I never really wanted to be president. This was all a huge mistake. You know, I've been trying to show the American people what can happen when a dictator, blah blah blah, or something. Oh like, no, no, that no. Far? No, no. I, I think that, first of all, I don't think it's really that helpful for us to just get in Trump's head in this kind of way. Because it's like, who cares? I don't, I don't care I, what, he, what he actually thinks if, after he's president. I, I think no like, matter what he actually thinks. Um, no matter what he actually thinks. I got it. No matter what he actually thinks, what he will do is... Uh, say it's some kind of that there's some kind of something that went wrong, something you know, there's some kind of conspiracy. There's something because that's maximum what, chaos. No, no, I just think that's what his base wants to hear. That's what his base wants to hear. They want to hear yes, the government is doing things that are bad, like the government, the deep state, the government. They only say deep state because he's the head of the government. It, it actually would be more helpful for the ideology of most of these people if, if he, he were not leading the government because now you have to make excuses of why things aren't great for you. Right. But if he's not president and he gets to be like leading a, I would assume he's going to make a media company of some kind. Um, or maybe he'll just buy OANN. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe, but I think, you know, it'll, he'll be so much happier when he's not president and he can just do the same thing that he's doing right now just without having to have someone like schedule his entire day. And like, you know, like I think he'll be on TV plenty, which is what I think he really wants. So I don't know. I mean, but I think that it's imperative no matter what he actually thinks that everyone thinks that everyone that would listen to him thinks that he's not, you know, he didn't like just lose overall. Obviously he's primed everyone for thinking this kind of stuff already. Yeah. And and how bad do you think the how how bad do you think violence could get under any of these scenarios? I don't know. I mean, you it's know, hard like to the other way around. Uh, Biden wins by you know like eight points and but loses the electoral college, and he goes through all the rigmarole, and he's like he's out. You think the Democrats have it in them to do anything? Hell no. The only people that would do it uh, don't care about Biden. Correct. I understand that. Like they don't I don't care know. about they don't care about yeah that 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 puts a that puts a limit on how far you'd go right 
there's going to be like 15 like women's marches. That's as big as it's going to get. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of those and then they're going to just kind of get tired or some people are going to get fired and then that's going to be the end of it. Well, we'll I just see. I mean, I just I don't have very much faith in those people. I mean, everyone's like we've been told for five years that Trump is like a dictator. And what's the the like the biggest thing you can point at at is like Nancy Pelosi, like being sarcastic. I don't know, man. I don't know. These, I don't, you know, I get there's a, there's a big, you know, there's a big step from where we are to being a dictator, but he's leaning on, you know, he's leaning on the attorney general to, you know, to, to, to release some stuff or, or charge the, the past president of the United States with crimes. I mean, that sounds pretty dictatory to me. Yeah. And look at how the Democrats responded to all that. Waited two years and then you know, impeached him on some completely unrelated stuff that was yeah. just about their next political guy. Yeah, I wasn't trying to. And I wasn't they failed. Try, yeah, I wasn't trying to say that the Democrats did anything. I'm not sure the Democrats could do anything. You know, I I, I think that was all pretty clearly not going to work. But I'm not sure. <sighs> yeah, I mean, this does require us to get into Trump's head, which, you know, makes me feel like I need to take a shower. I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's it doesn't matter because I first of all, I don't think if Trump just tried to straight up like take power, the military's not behind him. It yeah. wouldn't happen. Like yeah, I mean the the higher-ups in the military I think hate him because you know, everyone basically like John Kelly like was trying to be his babysitter and then you just, you know, they get disrespected enough times and it's like, well, what have I been doing this for? Um, but I think if it's just like a courtroom coup like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it could totally happen. Cause I, I have no happen. faith in the, the, I have no faith in the resistance of our actual political bodies and the court system. I mean, that's like, that's McConnell's baby. Yeah, that's the most likely, I mean, I think that's the most likely way that Trump is president on January 21st, is something gets, yeah, he gets all tied, you know, that's like a house of cards kind of, the governor does this and the state legislature does that. And then, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like the hanging chads in Florida, but times like five or something. You know, a, a handful yeah. of states. Part of me still does think it would be really, I would be really surprised still. At least part of me would be really surprised if it was, because I don't think it's going to be close enough to do that Supreme Court like 2000 strategy. Um, yeah. I think they'll basically, be, right? if right. they do it, it, I think it'll be pretty, I mean, almost identical. But it can't I do don't, a couple I, of counties in one state. Yeah, I, I don't think the margin is going to be close enough to cause that. Just looking at polls right now, because I mean we're out of the like unless there is an October surprise in the vein and like magnitude of the Comey letter. We've like, already like it's like we're in it's the eleventh of October and there've already been a couple of surprises. So yeah, we can have more. We can have more the best surprises. surprise was Trump getting sick. Yeah. That was the yeah. funniest thing that's happened like this year. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the big surprise, wasn't it? But again, it's out of the news. It's not. That's not an October surprise. I, I think it definitely. Right. I think it, it definitely did affect polls. Yeah, it happened at the wrong time. Yeah, it needed to happen like two weeks from now, and then it would have been perp. Like he would be screwed if it happened two weeks from now. Um, it's so weird because it's just three weeks away. Yeah, right? but but three I, weeks in three weeks in Trump land is like three years. Yeah, I mean it's. I do wonder if we'll see the polls tighten again, like in twenty sixteen. Um, At the very last in the last few days. But if things stay like they are now, unless like basically it's tracking like twenty sixteen, but the margin is bigger in terms of like. I think right now Biden's outside of one standard deviation. Let me check. 
I just love it that you said standard deviation in an appropriate way. (laughs) (laughs) But that was what, I mean, that was the polling error, right? In 2016, I think it was like basically one standard deviation was yeah, what? I mean, it was right. It, it was so it was so close that that right. I think any a breeze the right direction would have changed the changed the results. Okay, yeah. So it, you know what? I'm going to pull up the 2016 one here too. That's how nerdy I'm going to get right now. Uh, five five thirty eight has Biden's chances of winning at eighty six percent today. It's been trending up. It was 78% on the day of the first election. So it's gone up eight points. That's not polling. That's the chance he'll win based on the electoral college. Yeah, man, I wish national polls versus 2016. Here we go. Okay. So on today, Biden has a four point lead on where Clinton was. On October eleventh, twenty sixteen. So it's the it was the Clinton lead plus four. Yeah, Clinton Clinton plus four right now, and let's see. It's hard to know what these national national polls don't really mean anything, right? Because California's in there, and Texas is not likely to be up for grabs, and you know, like all that. It's all the it's all the swing state kind of business. Yeah, I mean. That is like, I just wish I could just pull this thing up on its own. It's hard to find you exactly wanna, where. I, I just wanted to pull three up. Weeks, three weeks away in 2016. Well, I can find that. It just doesn't go out any more than that, than today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Biden's up 9.8 is the, the current just national poll uh, lead that he has on yeah. Trump. And, you know, I, I just think if it stays like that, even if it tightens like last time, it's going to be really hard to have that same, like, you know, courts decide it for him type thing. Yeah, you, you're saying, you're right. You're saying that something else is some, something systemic that cuts across a bunch of states would have to, a real October surprise. Like Biden would have to get coronavirus or have a stroke or... Yeah. And and that would, I mean, but that's what I mean. I think if you look at the shift from when Trump got it to now in terms of polling, it's about the same, like four to five point shift, right? I think. Yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, but his chance of winning uh, went down by eight, eight points, 8%. Right. So, so you don't, it's, it's not just the national poll, right? It's what's happening in these states that are, that could lean one way or the other. Right. So that's why his that's why Biden's chance of winning went up so much, because you have just a few points moving in. I don't know, like Arizona and I don't know what else is up for grabs. Yeah, I don't know. I try to just look at just the polls mostly. I just because I. I don't understand the I don't fully understand the 538 like way that they generate everything. Yeah, I fell so, asleep looking at the methodology this afternoon. That's that's what I mean. It's it's like it's very complicated, and I think it's just easy to look at polls and get a kind of a sense of you know like don't just be like oh that's where we are, but maybe say okay so that's where the poll says here's like the range that it could really be, and it just what I mean to say is that having a three point lead on Trump. And then having an electoral college victory for him makes a lot of sense. Having a nine-point lead, or let's even say a seven-point lead in the national polling, and then that turn into an electoral college victory for the other guy, that's pretty tough to figure out a way to make the math work. Yeah, it can it 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 can happen, but it's it's yeah, it's 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 not likely, or it's less likely than other outcomes. Yeah, I think the the biggest, the only real thing that Trump can grab at is trying to do some sort of court, like basically trying to to have some sort of legal protection against mail-in ballots. Yeah, for sure. Which I think he will try. I don't think there's any way that you can, I mean, that's the thing is I don't think basically 
I don't think they have any way to do that unless like Barrett was like already on the court right now. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, man, we're running really long. I think that, uh, no, I think that the, the stuff they're trying to do now is the stuff that's going to be the most effective. So the stuff in Texas about only one ballot box per County, um, you know, you can only count ballots for 48 hours after election day, you know, mail-in ballots, anything they can do to try to try to blunt, um, you know, stuff that's not in-person voting is likely to be beneficial, marginally, relatively beneficial to to Trump and disadvantageous to to Biden. So, but I don't know that there's much you could do after the fact unless there was some systemic thing. That's, I mean, I think that's your point about it. The the race has to be super tight to find you know to find a county where you think you could pull off enough you know, shift enough votes to swing the entire state. And you have to do that with more than one state here, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it would be, it'd be some challenge about, you know, who knows? I mean, I suppose that Trump's going to do whatever I imagine anybody would do, uh, whatever they could, if they thought there was a, if they thought there was some daylight through the, you know, to, 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 to become victorious. And I don't think Trump, and maybe this is maybe I'm really old fashioned and understand words like chicanery, but I don't know that any like I'm not I don't think Trump would worry too much about the damage that a prolonged court fight could have on the country. I don't think he would care too much about that if he thought he could prevail. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it's all so secondary. Like it's I don't know. If you see stuff like that and you think like, oh, Trump bad, rather than like, oh, look, our complete – like our system is totally fucked. <laughs> like that's that's where I come off of that kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, the courts can just like, yep, I think that's right. And uh, you know what I mean? Like we've yeah. already already gotten to this point. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was your point about Trump and, and – and, uh, you know, being a, you were saying he's like, a, don't say he's not a good businessman because he's, he's, uh, he's been a successful businessman. And it says as much about what success in business in the United States means as it does about Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more. I mean, yeah, yeah we, I mean, we covered. He's just, he's, he's, he's maximized the, he's, he's, he's figured out how to play that game to, to the, to the hilt. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. It's kind of poetic because it's like, you know, that is that is American business now. It's very uh, more and more of it is not based on anything that you can touch or hold or have any relationship with. It's branding, it's valuation, it's you know, licensing. It's basically just sort of using things that are there not just that but it's declaring bankruptcy and just doing it over and over and over again yeah yeah yeah, because it's it's the value is created from the impression of the value that is there yeah that's the weird part isn't it i mean i get capitalism i get this idea that if you create value you like genuinely create value then then you should share in the value that's created i mean people are better off they're willing to pay for this thing and as long as it's not too extreme, you should be able to share in that. And by doing that, everybody's better off. You're better off as a creator and the people who are consuming it or buying it are better off uh, because you did what you did. But some of this stuff is, like you say, the value now is it's all about an impression. Yeah, I think that's which can kind be, of... Which can problem. be manipulated. I mean, it can be synthesized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's always It's always depressing to talk to you (laughs) well i think it's just weird because i think our idea of capitalism is so like wrapped up in so much of the stuff that you just described i think is just like kind of like production it's it's does it i don't think it's necessarily capitalistic to trade things or even have ownership of certain things yeah fair enough it's more like free market yeah it's it's like we're seeing the end result of if you just don't regulate at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, well, yeah. It means that it all becomes things that aren't real because it, how are you supposed to regulate all this stuff? 
Well, one of these days we're going to have a conversation. We're not going to talk about Trump because I think we're just, I think I'm just doing what he wants, which is to, you know, talk about him. I yeah, I'm we're... sure he's enjoying this quite a bit. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great Sunday. All right. You too. I love you and I miss you. And I love you too. I'll I'm talk to you. you. Okay. Bye, buddy. <laughs>